First off, we'd like to thank Rand Asad, our newest Patreon. We appreciate the support. Welcome back to another episode of Hamburger Generation, Jeel Al Hamburger. Today, we've got an old fan favorite back, Fajr. Or, as his social media handle is, Global Bedouin. And he's back to give us another one of his great travel stories. On his latest adventure, Fajr walked the entire Jordan Trail, which is the whole country of Jordan. He was met with Bedouins, stray dogs, foxes, and many more. Listen and enjoy. I lived in Jordan the past winter. Moved back to Jordan in October 2021. As it seemed like Corona was behind us and it's time to restart the travel business. Because I spent 2020 and most of 2021 in Canada hibernating, laying low without the international travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's so towards the end of 21, the family and I moved back to Jordan where we have a home. And started the escape thing again. So I had a few good trips, actually. I went to Kurdistan and Iraq. Had oh. a nice group there. Uh, we had a Nepal group, an Egypt group. And then for the UAE National Day, which is late November, early December 2021, I had a series of trips, four in total. Three of them were in Southern Africa. So I led a group to Namibia. Luck would have it. <laughs> During that time, uh, the Omicron variant happened. Goddamn Omicron. And the whole world decided to shun seven African countries in South Africa, in Southern Africa. Because they discovered it in South Africa. Well, they discovered it in Southern Africa. Yes, Mm. yes. And my luck, three out of my four, and that's my high season. UAE National Day is where I have, you know, the, the majority of my work. Mm. and you planned in such a way where all your clients were exactly so i got hit hard from the trip planning point of view like three out of my four trips for my big weekend the biggest one of the year happened to be in those countries so i had a group in mozambique the kingdom of eswatini and i was leading a group in namibia and it obviously like all went to shit my group landed in namibia and they landed at like 2 p.m 6 p.m we went to restaurant for dinner and somebody opened their phone being like the UAE and the rest of the world said you have 24 hours to get out of southern Africa or wow. you won't be allowed to get back into the UAE wow uh, how many people at that group I had eight people mm. but then I had a group in Mozambique and a group in Eswatini I really knew how to pick him boys <laughs> <laughs> like I predicted that shit you know uh, and uh, yeah I fi- financially I lost a lot but emotionally it was horrific because I was there with the client. So it was like, oh, welcome to Southern Africa, Namibia. We have this amazing nine-day tour, you know, booked All and paid booked for. Up, uh, you know, and everybody just arrived. And literally, like, first drink at the restaurant, good vibes, to, like, panic. Okay, mm. wh- wh- who was the first person to see it? And how did Prashant they bring it up? was sitting next to me. Oh. How to did be, they bring to it be up? completely honest, man, uh. I follow these things, and I knew, I knew it before them. And I told my guide, who was organizing the thing for me, this trip's about to get canceled as mm. we're walking in the restaurant. Mm. Okay. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's like I, re- I knew it. But it, it was only a matter of time. And over dinner, 
you know, somebody's like, oh my God, UAE says, you know. And then I remember dinner, like people didn't even eat their food. It was like, oh, what do we do now? What do we do now? PCRs, we need to get our PCRs so you can travel. So literally left dinner, went to the only lab for an emergency PCR test. The next morning in the airport, they wouldn't even let us board because by the time we reach UAE, it's past midnight. So nobody was allowed to go to the UAE. So people got diverted all over the place. Uh, A couple went to Poland. Somebody went to Spain. Uh, We had Indian nationals. They couldn't go anywhere because India even closed their borders on their own nationals. Mm. So the only thing they did was go to Zanzibar. My point being, it was a total and utter mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I had two options. I could go to Jordan because I have a Jordanian nationality, or I could go to Canada. I wasn't going to go to Canada because my wife and kids are in Jordan. Yeah, a a bit of an adventure. I ended up in Cairo via Addis Ababa. That was my only route. And Cairo was a destination where I didn't need a visa with my Jordanian passport. So that was like a legal hoop, you know, that that I figured out. But I had to fly to Addis Ababa. And at that time, the civil war was at a point where the Tigray rebels were approaching the capital. So it was tense in Addis Ababa. So I went to Addis, uh, no big deal, like I didn't see any action. I was at the airport trying to buy tickets and stuff. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember being like, oh, my safe haven is Addis Ababa. That's about to be taken over by the rebels. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know? Desperate yeah, yeah. times. Yeah. And from there, I flew to Cairo. And it was really a low point for me because, man, I just lost so much. And you're also dealing with clients. And... It's okay if it's a one-off, but this is like after two years of not working. True. Like this is me coming back, you know? Mm. So it felt like, honestly, the final nail in that coffin. I'm like, ah, I guess tourism is just done. Or I'm, d- I'm personally done with this because mm. it was really hard. But then I went to Cairo and I couldn't fly to Jordan because they would know I'm coming from Africa with the stampings on the, my passport. So what I did, I developed a plan to drive overland to the Sinai Peninsula Okay. And then take a ferry. And there are two ferry options. You can catch a direct ferry to Agabe. That is a touristic ferry where all the tourists would go 45 minutes. Or you could do the four-hour ferry that's filled with laborers and Sa'aide. Mm. And I knew that the laborer ferry, the border patrol, is not going to be looking for somebody coming from southern Africa. Yeah. Okay. So it's a bit cheeky. Sorry, Jordan. Maybe I brought Omicron. Maybe not. <laughs> 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 so I took like the 14-hour drive from Cairo to Nwebe, the other one would be Taba. And then in Nwebe, I was the only non-laborer okay. on that thing. And fucking Egyptians are so racist and slimy because I was like non-Egyptian. They like treated me VIP, front of the row, you know, the whole oh. like, Wait, you're your better than Wait, that's your version of a racist? Is like, like, better like treatment? oh, it's all for money and like kickbacks, obviously. Mm. Uh, but she's here and there. Yeah. But it's so in your face, like, they just look at you. Oh, you know, you're not. Like, what, are you, what are you doing in this line? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're a foreigner. Imagine like a line of hundreds of people, Jalabiye, you know, shabby, super Egyptian shabby, which is damn shabby, mm. you know. And uh, yeah, me being treated like, oh, like a Jordanian amongst them. So these are Egyptian workers going to Jordan to work. Yeah. Yes. Or to Agabe and from Agabe, they continue to Saudi to work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's the cheapest way for a human to get from egypt to the arab peninsula is that way right so you can imagine the type of people you would get on um, how, how much did it cost this cheapest way oh it was like super cheap 25 dollars maybe compared wow. to like 90 dollars which is the 45 minute 
catamaran fairy. And it's just yeah. like a four. This hour. one is like an old. Oh, we wrote it. Yo. Yeah, I was going to say, we were on it. What yeah, are you saying? We were on it like 15 years ago. Yeah. What year was that? 2000. 2007. Yeah. I was in university. You guys were. I took you on your first backpacking trip. Yeah. Anyway, my plan worked because when I got there, the Jordanians were not concerned for somebody who's been holidaying in South Africa. Yeah. You know, they had a they had a boat full of side. Can can we just ask one question? Was everyone wearing their masks? Oh, dude, it's such a joke. You know. <laughs> no. Even the oh PCR. The they PC- all got the Omicron from Fajr. The yeah, <laughs> the PCR tests uh, that I had to do in Egypt before boarding the boat was also suspect. Mm. In Egypt, they tell you straight up, just pay and we'll give you the paper. That's not suspect. That's like... Pretty obvious. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was a done deal. I got to Amman and I was really paranoid. About what? About being there illegally in a way. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be quarantining. Mm. So I stayed home and I remember Allison telling our neighbor, our upstairs neighbor, who's a good friend, that, oh, Fedra's in Namibia, and now he's here. And I'm like, why did you tell her? The authorities are going to come after me. So <laughs> that vibe was in the air in my head. And in the news once, uh, there was a case of Omicron. And in Jordan, they name the people. Who we'll break the law. The case. Yeah, it's very personal. Yeah. It's like Muhammad ibn Abu, <laughs> you know, brought Omicron. And then a mob will form around his house. Yeah. You know, and in then, Jordan, it's like that. It's not... <laughs> what? Yeah, like, remember when 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 uh, Corona first started and then they were like, this Carrefour worker, this guy who works at Carrefour by the name of, like, Abdullah, I don't know what. Yeah, yeah. And then people, like, started posting on his Facebook page. Wow. And, like, Allah, Allah, I Yeah. Or the Far. Yeah, the far. And like you knew every case in Jordan by name, by like first and family name. It wasn't like three new cases. I was like, Muhammad al Awamat. And if you see him, punch him in the face. Exactly. It's really like that. Or like there was a wedding one time. There was a wedding basalt. Oh, yeah. Where like it was a super spreader case. Actually, Erbid, Erbid. Erbid, yeah. And everybody knew the wedding and everybody involved in it. And. There was even like video of the wedding of like the character shaking everyone's hand as people entered. Like he's the super spreader. Like <laughs> so, so all funny. that's left is like a microscopic video of the Omicron di- <laughs> yeah. moving from this person to that person. Exactly. So I remember hearing it on the radio. Somebody in Zerga with Omicron who's been recently traveling in Southern Africa that <laughs> right. they caught. Yeah. Mm. You know, and they said the name and the family and they shamed them. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, like, true. So laid low. The product of that was not only did I have to deal with the mess that was created from these canceled trips and rerouting clients, but all my upcoming trips were to be canceled. Oh, damn. And my entire purpose of being in Jordan was based on the premise that I'm going to be traveling every week and restarting my business. Mm. And uh, so now I'm like in Jordan, midwinter, it gets cold there. Uh, I, you know, a, a country that's, I don't know, many people, pretty lonely to say the least, like my family and I in our apartment and dad is just, and I'm just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was telling Isra, I'm like, yeah, I wake up, uh, go to the gym at 8 a.m. By like 9.30, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not like there's work opportunities. Why like, are you waking up so early then? <laughs> I got to drop the kids at daycare. Uh, true. <laughs> Get rid of the kids, first priority. <laughs> and what's, what's Allison doing? 
She's also a teacher. She's joining him to uh, drop the kids. Actually, Allison uh, was teaching your wife uh, English. Yeah, my, Allison, my wife, uh, was teaching English at an institute a few hours a week, and also teaching yoga at the local gym. Oh, so she had some like semblance of something going on. Yeah, yeah. she had a lot more routine than I did. But we're not talking like any type of real salary. You know, we're talking like... It'll pay for your smoothie. And for me, there wasn't work opportunity in Jordan. The country is crippled economically. It's not like being in Dubai. Okay, well, dude, that didn't work out. You know, call one of your friends or, you know, get Try get another applying. job. Yeah. Like the other jobs in Jordan, you know, the salaries would be in the $500 a month range. Not only that, then you have to deal with the Jordanian society and battle and... That wasn't the deal that I had with Jordan. My deal was like, I'll run my company and fly in and out. And mm. point being, that's the situation I was in. So I needed to uh, figure out uh, my next adventure or, you know, what am I going to do? Or like keep yourself busy so you don't go crazy. Yeah. It sounds like because sounds like you had a lot on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a Kilimanjaro trip coming up in February that I've been training for. Oh yeah! Oh, you are you are all supposed to come on that trip. Oh yeah, yeah! I, I was trying for it too, man. <laughs> Secretly not. I was the only person that was like, oh, "Thank God for the Omicron." <laughs> I wasn't training. Okay, in hindsight, you would have all backed out. But point being, you all told me you're coming, and you were all on yes, the WhatsApp yes, group yes, yes. with other people that were paid, uh, that yes. paid, sorry, to join the trip. So there was a trip that was on for February, and Tanzania eventually closed its borders after uh, Namibia and now I was in a situation where the only thing I had going for me which is going to the gym training for that trip that trip was canceled right yeah so there goes that motivation too yeah. exactly and now I'm like man I'm fit and I got nothing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> I fi- I'm fit for no reason what's yeah. this bullshit yeah, give me that exactly. cake <laughs> give me that cake so yeah the situation was can't really leave the country and I'm a huge fan of like big adventures you know Previously, I've like talked about my sailing near-death experience or delivering them in, in West Africa from Senegal. Ooh, pleasure, to... you're taking us way back to episode number three. <laughs> <laughs> so I just needed something, you know, like a, a, a something to uh, re-inspire, reignite something, you know. Okay, so what's and, that thing? And I came across a trail in Jordan that's recently developed called the Jordan Trail. Mm. Darb al-Urdun. Well, it's very uh, COVID-friendly of you to do like local. Yeah, well, I just couldn't really travel. I mean, I've been in Garasat when I left the country. You know, I didn't really during Omicron. I don't know if you guys remember, like it really felt like Corona all over again. Mm. Like borders were very sketchy. December, January, we're talking early 2022. I guess it's also cost effective to stay in Jordan. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. I mean, my financials. I wasn't going to fly to Tokyo for a biking trip or yeah. a tour. I needed to do something cheap right away. And I've, I've heard of the Jordan Trail before, but I honestly thought I wouldn't do it because, frankly, I thought it's too tough. The Jordanian terrain is non-forgiving. We have the lowest point on Earth, and average cities are about 1,200 meters above sea level. At what time in the year is this? Is Surely not By the winter. time I, like, I got into a rabbit hole on YouTube, on the internet and I like really got into the topic of the Jordan Trail. It was January, late January. Okay. And we just had a blizzard, the biggest snowstorm in ever maybe in Jordan. And I'm like, well, this is a good time to go hiking <laughs> for, you know, 680 kilometers is Whoa. the trail. And it Whoa. It, yeah. 
it extends from the north of the country, from a, a town called Umgeas, which is right by the Jul, uh, Julan, the Golan Heights, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Syria, right on the border. And it ends in the Red Sea at the city of Agabe, all wow. the way in the south. So you're passing all of Jordan. You're passing all of Jordan north to south. Well, there is an eastern side to Jordan that extends into the Saudi desert. But basically, you're following the depression, which is where the Jordan River is and the mountains around there. So you're right on the border of Palestine. And you're walking? And you're walking and it zigzags. And it, the idea of this trail, wow. it hits up all the major historical, geographical attractions of the country. So as you walk, you know, you pass by Petra, you pass by uh, Ajlon Castle. These are the big name things. But you also pass by Arag al-Amir. You, you know, all... What, what, Wadi Ram and shit? Of course, man. My last week was in Wadi Ram. My yeah, second last section was a week of walking in the desert in Wadi Ram. Wow. And like you're following it on Google Maps or? So I got an app called Alpine Quest and I downloaded the map. They have GPS points with the Jordan Trail website and I downloaded the GPS points and to my delight when I started the hike, once it's downloaded, you can go on airplane mode and it actually works. It shows so there's you like an offline mode? It's an offline yeah. mode, which is amazing and it's so accurate to like a foot or two. How is it like to make that decision to even start? Like that's not a light decision to make. True, yeah, take us through it all. Yeah. Honestly, I knew I needed something. Like, what do you do? Like, okay, I'm I was do morally trip. like a little, I wasn't doing well mentally. I was just like feeling pretty down and I needed a big challenge. And I'm all about these solo missions that are long. So yeah, I mean, I took the permission from the boss, <laughs> Allison, my wife. <laughs> she was all for it. She's like, yeah, well, you're bumming around doing nothing anyway. <laughs> you know? Bringing down the vibes yeah. in the house. <laughs> you're bringing that down the vibe in the house. So... What'd you pack? Simplicity was my entire motto for this. I didn't want to buy anything. I wanted to use everything that I had, and I did. The biggest challenges were water, having water to drink. I bought a handheld a purifying MSR pump for 50 JD, which is 250 dirhams, about $70, $73 USD. What is that exactly? It's a pump with a hose, and then you can purify water from rivers wells etc and if you find a puddle of water and it has color and a smell i would purify or i would run it through the filter and then i'd throw a tablet uh purification tablet so that was my strategy for water for food interesting in the north of jordan 70 percent of jordan you're bound to run through a village or a town once every day or two mm. so that wasn't an issue i would always buy my food which you know how they say you are what you eat well, I am Mr. Noodle. I had a lot of noodles <laughs> and a lot of tuna, hummus. Uh, hummus comes in those little boxes. Those, those lifesaver, man, that hummus uh, boxes. Uh, so, yeah, just kept it simple. I had a very small cooking situation, a uh, little stove, a, a carry-on, tent, sleeping bag. I started the trek in mid-February in the north. The reason I wanted to do it right away is by the time I got to the south of Jordan, I didn't want to be doing that as, the, as it got hotter. Mm. I just imagined walking in the desert for a week without water and being like, this is, you know, in hot, hot weather. So I started early, the idea being I'm going to take on the cold early on, and then later on I'll have the nice weather in the desert. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That my makes strategy sense. actually paid off, except we had a few cold fronts that really kicked my ass. So my sleeping bag was 10 degrees and the limit was five degrees. But I had many nights where it was zero degrees and mm. I, you know, I was fucking freezing, man. But wow. uh, otherwise, uh, Wait, I remember that this this last winter, there was a f- there was like a Mojit. Munchafad, Munchafad. Munchafad, that's the one where people were always talking about how fucking cold it was this particular season. I could say a lot and we're going to get into it. But one of the Munchafad, I slept in a cave like I was hiking in the mountains like four days in from the last human I saw or the last settlement and the last settlement was Petra and I was hiking towards uh, the Wadi Rum region that area is really mountainous it's it's uh, that region's really tough it's a tough hike it's like going it's up and you're in canyons and wadis much like Petra mm. and but it keeps going on and on for four days about it was leading into Petra on my fourth day there was a Munchafal and how cold Light, are we talking? We're talking like zero degrees. Oh, shit. Really, really cold. Like the wind is so cold, it, it hurts. And I, my tent in openness wasn't going to do it. So I found a cave and I uh, posted my tent in the cave. Uh, and then a few hours later, two Bedouins, herders with their uh, sheep, like a hundred head, mitras, they my back of an army, hundred. Of sheep? Yeah. Arrived at the, at the cave that I was at. It was a big cave. And I literally had to sleep with like all these sheep around me and these Bedouins that also took shelter in this cave because of this storm that passed through. And that was one of the more memorable nights of that trip and maybe my life. They, why, what were these Bedouins doing just walking around and who, who happened to want to go in the cave? So what they do is Bedouins and herders, people with... Uh, sheep and livestock those are like my best friend on that trail in jordan they actually represent the bigger uh percentage of the population when you are in the wilderness you're not going to see houses and people you're going to see bedouins with mean fucking dogs those shepherd dogs were like my number one enemy every single day i would have a dog confrontation not like hi doggy like five dogs surrounding me teeth out ready to rip me apart growling and everything. growling 100 percent, like two feet away from me every day this would happen multiple yeah, what times. are you supposed to do when that happens that well i have my hiking sticks fear. so it's like baseball fucking i'm swinging plus you, you th- you've been you so uh, you swing every time that happens every day that you happens. swing oh dude yeah yeah yeah. and and before i even did the track i went to the how close are they to you when you're swinging <laughs> yeah. like a foot they're about to bite me well and, and what about and and there's like five there. of them and there's like behind you and around you and, and then like, what? Like, take us through it. The yeah, dogs what? approach you then. Did this, did your swing with your hiking stick, is it hitting them? Is it? Uh, the Bedouins have a word. It's l'wit. So you yet. L'wit. L'wit. And you grab your hiking poles and you bang them against each other. And as they come and they want to go for you, you start throwing rocks at them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the dogs are not by themselves. They are with the herders and the... Dogs means livestock... And means humans. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see dogs by except that one fucking dog that chased me for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I went before I left on this. Everything was done so quick. I'm like, okay, so I'm going. I have this backpack. I threw I bought a selfie stick because I'm like, I'm gonna videotape this thing. And I left. And en route, I stopped at something called the Jordan Trail Association in Amman, which are a few people sitting in the desk who've never seen a trail. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm about to like hike from Umgast to Agabe. They're like, what? 
And then I discovered I'll be the first Jordanian to ever do that in history. Like solo, unsupported. They do it, but they do it part of like a supported campaign over a month and a half. And they do it once a year. It's like a hike through hike and you pay like 4,000 JD and it's a supported full situation. Mm. That's what they do. Like, like glamping like, situation. Yeah, yeah. They're like tent like, will be waiting for you. Gallons, the whole thing. Like gallons of water is driving. Yeah, right you have a support you team. You know the whole thing. I yeah. just showed up. I'm like, yo, I'm about to start the thing. I'm even going Mawasalat. I took like three buses and a taxi to get home gifts. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember. <laughs> to I make take, it more hard. Yeah, yeah more difficult take, for myself. I had to take a taxi to like the north station in Amman, and then a taxi to a bus to Irbid, and then another bus from Irbid to Gilf, and then hike and gifts to find. You know, anyway. Uh, Fedor just has his pur purifying water and he's like, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. And oh, in every bus station and ev getting there, I was like, the guy who is Arabi but is dressed Ajnabi. <laughs> you know, like my tactical gear, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? My hiking poles uh, in these public buses. So I stopped by this office being like, oh, this is what I'm doing. They're like, I'm like, any advice? They're like, well, a lot of people get bit on the first day in this town. There's a dog there that bites people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, old Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot the name of the town. We're going to pull it up. Aukas, uh, I think it was called. Uh, you know, so they're just like, be careful. I'm like, dogs, I haven't even considered that this is a thing. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, I have a guide that I worked with for years whenever we do olive picking tours in the north of Jordan because I work in tourism and have been for many years. So I stayed at his house. Mm. The first day when I arrived after the Mawasalat. In Umgels. In, in Umgels, Ahmed Al-Umari. I slept in his house. He had like an extra bed. <laughs> you know, like God, God bless Ahmed Al yeah, yeah, and he's a guide up there. And he's and then that night I sat with Ahmed Al Umari and I'm like, yeah, man, like about to start the thing. You know, it's like still winter. And he's like, you know, good luck. And I'm like, again, it's like you have to yell at them and like swing and hit and throw rocks. Like they're not going to don't turn your back, you know. So that that was like one hour. Oh, it's terrifying. It's fucking terrifying Dude. in the beginning, guys. My Dude. first few days, I would be like walking down the trail, cliff to the left, mountain to the right, and I would see like a pack of dogs already in the corner. They see you from miles away. Oh, shit. You hear them barking before you see them. And they're on my trail. And I would like go down the cliff, like hanging on to trees to like avoid them. Towards like two weeks later, I walked through like the meanest pack, you know, <laughs> like I would see like 20 of them, like oh, I have action, like whatever, mm. walk right through them. I got, I put rocks in my pocket so I don't even have to waste time to kneel down to grab a rock. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm just ready. Okay. okay so it, you're like two or three line advice of like what to do if you're surrounded by evil. Dogs. Throw rocks. This is like one of my biggest fears ever. Rock throwing. As soon as they see you even reach down to grab a rock, they get uh, rattled. Are you nervous? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, throw rocks. Be I, aggressive, yell at them. What's a wheat? What's a wheat? These are like so they say wheat. The Bedouins say a different word, actually. It's funny. Uh, uh, I have it written down. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. pulling up his notes. <laughs> I actually, Bedouin words that dogs understand. Dude, dude this is what I did. Open the index. I kept a journal and like kept, you know. Well, that's what you do, right? I mean, I remember traveling in Mongolia on a motorcycle solo for three weeks. I had this type of shit with like Mongolian sentences. Uh, <laughs> You know, like hold the dogs. In Mongolia also, there was a dog fear when I did my motorcycle thing. Point is, I'm getting off topic. There are different phrases. Bedouins use a phrase. El Medanese use a phrase. But the dogs are more familiar with the Bedouins. Uh, it depends uh, where I am. Uh, yeah. I mean, is, is the phrase for the Medani... Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Shuhaida. The Madden is Lebanese. Yeah, why is the Madden? Lassie, take it easy there. My bad, Lebanese listeners. So, so yeah, no, there, there actually is within Jordan. Okay, wheat is uh, one way to say it. Wainwala. Wainwala is what the Medanese would say. Okay. Wheat is what the Bedouins say. Wait, so it's more like Wainwala. Yeah, it's like, uh, wait, no, no, Wainwala, Wainwala. Wainwala. Guys, we're now this is Syrian. <laughs> we're, we're spending too much time on this dog. No, thing, right? I really like the it's dog thing. It's like insane. It's a terrifying. Okay, tell encounter. us about the one-hour dog then. The dog. Oh yeah, a few days in. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've been tiptoeing around him for a while. Yeah, a few days in, I had a dog encounter near the ruins of Pella, which is an amazing site. So Roman. he was the dog they warned you about. No, no, it was just some dog that you know. I did the thing. I threw rocks. And I'm still new. This is still a couple of days into it. Mm. And the dog just like chased me. Like he kept a distance, but kept like hunting me. Yeah, yeah. Tracking Tra- me. He's like stalking. He's Are you stalking running me. at this point? No, I'm walking. Just... Definitely not like, you know, walking and turning around and throwing more rocks and yelling, or whatever yeah. I have to do. I'm like, is he a Medini dog or is he a Bedouin <laughs> dog? I couldn't <laughs> decipher that fucker. You gotta try all dialects. Uh, one second, one second. So if the dog is Medini... You will say Wainwala? <laughs> and if the dog is... A Bedouin. A Bedouin? Wheat. You will say wheat? Yeah, it depends who he, he lives with. Why these words? I have no idea, man. That, that, that's how it is, though. For real, that's how it is. So uh-huh. the like, if he's part react? of a nomadic tribe, Bedouins, it's wheat. Wainwala, if he's like a, 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 on an olive farm with uh, Farmers. sheep. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So maybe that's how they train the dogs. Do the dogs react to the word? No, man, they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, these dogs spoke another language. I was leweeting and yeah. wainwaling. I was leweeting and wainwaling. And wait, hold on. Then. When you say say leweet, are you like yelling it at the top of your lungs? You're yelling it at the top of your lungs as you're jumping with both <laughs> of my hiking sticks, banging them against each other. Leweet, yeah. it's, it's really scary, man. Yo, it's not like a time to be like, oh, it's embarrassing to yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you don't want the, you know, die. Yeah, the do- <laughs> you don't want the dog to think you look foolish. <laughs> at times, at times, the owner, like the herder, who is typically like a 15 year old boy, will be like on top of a mountain just watching you, dealing with his dogs. You know, mm. it's not like, oh, at a park in Canada. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did yeah. snuffles scare your kid? <laughs> no it's not like that it's like they don't give a fuck you know or they're busy doing their thing or it's probably entertaining for them like oh look at this idiot i just have to say it's really hard to put into words what a 40 day solo hike adventure uh, is because at the time i was doing it this was my life honestly like uh, I would just get up and walk and I was most concerned with like water was my main thing in my mind. Like if I saw a river, how to fill up and managing my water situation. And then obviously the dogs, <laughs> always. And then where to pitch my tent at the end of the day. Mm. So those were food. I was never scared of running out of food. I didn't want to carry too much with me just from a weight point of view. But I always had raptot khobes, tuna, noodles, like enough things that will fill my stomach. Hummus. 
Hummus, yeah. Like, you know, the things that are cheap and... Staples. Okay, but you're, you're forgetting one of the biggest factors in Jordan. The cockroaches. Oh, no, that's, that's a city problem. Uh, that's a city problem. That's like a Joe's apartment kind of thing. That's like Dude, city. Uh, that's city like I was imagining like when you said you slept in the cave, I was like, Dude, for sure there's cockroaches on the floor. No, the hyenas are a big thing in oh, Jordan. Well, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> it's all other level. Yo, the Bedouins. So You're scared of dogs? You got to keep in mind the people I'm interacting with outside of Amman, Irbid, Sarga, Agabe, tiny pockets of education or whatever you want to call it jordan is rural hmm. people it's i learned what jordan is on this trip they're olive farmers they herd sheep cattle that's jordan man when it rains there they get food if it doesn't rain they go hungry it's very very basic society help me out with the words mo is there a agrarian it's a very basic country Mm-hmm. Most of the people live like that. Aishin al barake. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, when I ran into Bedouin, a guy, a Bedouin kid, uh, south of Karak, between al Karak and between there's a big wadi. And when I say wadi, I mean valley, where it takes me a full day to walk to the bottom and then back up. Oof. Huge, huge. You know, we're talking a depression that is the Dead Sea and the lowest point on Earth. Like. With Agarib, Hayaya. And I remember, you'd see scorpions and snakes? I and didn't because I did my hike in winter. Okay. So I good, avoided good. that. Oof. And I didn't the whole trip. And I really was expecting to see them. Because my research was like, you know. Scorpions, snakes. snakes. Yeah, but that was the summertime thing. True. Another advantage of going there. You might freeze to death. <laughs> but yeah. And I remember seeing it. And I'm like, oh, I like sleeping in the wadis. Why? The wadis are warmer. Because mm. legit, it was so cold that the elevation... Makes a difference. FYI, for every thousand meters, you're going to have six to eight degree variation, which means eight degrees versus zero. Mm. So I don't like camping up top. I like camping in the wadis below. Wow. Plus, the wadis mean water, running water, rivers. I can swim after a long ass hike. Oh. I can fill up my bottles. It's sick. It yeah, you know turns to so an amazing. So many pros. Yeah. So many pros. And I remember one wadi I was going down, Wadi Al Hassa, they call it, and a Bedouin in a pickup truck comes across me, he's like, oh, don't camp down there. Fi wuhush. And I'm like, wuhush. Monsters? Yeah, like, motherfucking monsters? <laughs> <laughs> That's what wuhush is, where I come from. I'm like, you know? So eventually I come to know that wuhush means the likes of hyenas and wolves. And sure enough, a couple of days later, I met a guy who, he's a, the cowboy of Jordan. And he was telling me that, you know, he likes <laughs> You know, he likes to capture these. <laughs> like, tell me more about these And monsters. then, like, take them to Amman and sell them to rich people. Oh, like as trophy. Not even, no, alive, like in cages. Oh. And I'm like, oh, you're a wahoosh catcher. You're like, fucking, you know. It's gangster. Whoa. So, anyway, so a lot, a, lot, a lot to think about. And a lot of people. Wait, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of. There's a, lot, a lot of unknown because yeah. the main question, I got a lot of questions when I came across people. A major question with the non-city folk yeah. is like, do you have a gun? Or how do you protect yourself against the wahoosh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, against all of that stuff. And I literally had nothing. You know, I had my pocket knife. You had your walking stick. Yeah, it sounds unsafe what you're doing. It's not unsafe. People do it. Ajanib, foreigners do this track. Not many, but like a handful Every year, do the trek by themselves. 
Okay. Arabs don't do it. Jordanians definitely don't do it. In fact, a <laughs> few days into my trek, I remember being near a site that is of historic importance. So there's an entry fee and a whole thing. And usually in those in Jordan, there's a police setup. Yeah. And I remember they stopped me. I stopped near the entrance and I found a tree where I sat down to have my lunch. And then the cops came up to me. And we're just curious. And when they knew or heard me say that I'm Jordanian, they couldn't believe it. They're like, Wallah, You know, it's impossible <laughs> that a Jordanian would choose to walk for free. Yeah. Like, for money, we don't walk. They even ID'd me. They're like, you're not in trouble. <laughs> Give us physical proof. <laughs> Dude, like, they for real couldn't believe that a Jordanian's doing it. It's like they saw a unicorn. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> no way. It's not in the culture, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had all sorts of hilarious interactions with people. The majority are, they don't believe and they question why you're doing this. It's just not in the culture to be like, oh, it's a personal challenge. It's a hiking trail. The trail, by the way, completely unmarked. There's very few sections, the most popular ones that have some kind of marking. Otherwise, you're walking with zero markings and you're just following a GPS track. Mm. About a few weeks into it, I uh, remember there was an area called Ayun al-Zib. Ayun means water, um, mm. water that comes out of the earth. And I'm like, great, this is where I'm going to camp and rest- you know, get my water. And I went, Al-Ain itself happened to be in a private property on a farmer's land. The well? The well mm. or the Nabi'ah. Nabi'a. Okay, like spring, natural exactly. spring. Exactly. We got a lot of natural springs in Jordan and I would always fill up water there. So when I went to fill up, I got chatting with the guy and he was so stoked on me. And he's like, ah, oh, there's a shack there. He sleeps there. So I went and I put up my tent, you know, under the shack. This is like in the Madaba region, FYI, for anybody who knows the Jordan map. So, you know, about a third of the way into my trek. And I'm like, oh, this is great. It's like a private uh, little shack for myself. I go to sleep and then at night I hear the guys coming back and they were like rattled. Like, who are you? Like, I could hear them. Like, they came by my tent, which is next to their house. They're like, me and Mm. And everybody there carries weapons, you know. Oh and I'm like, no, your uncle told me I can stay here, <laughs> you know. So I told Shabab, and they told me, oh, no way. Like, so I went into the little kuch, the little shack that they had. We made sajiye, and then like stayed up for hours talking about al-mahr to guns to like all their day-to-day issues, you know, issues in life. So yeah, it's cool. You got a really nice insight into how the real people live, you know, that are far removed from the urban centers. They're very generous. You you never you never pass anybody without being invited for you know tea. Always. It's sometimes it's almost hilarious. The tea thing is just such a part of the Jordanian character. This is a very typical day where I would wake up in the wadi. Spend a few hours going up, a few hours going down. And then a Bedouin, a herder, would see me coming up the mountain. Like, oh, he'll be up here in an hour. 
and he'll start collecting wood. So by the time I arrive, the tea is boiling. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's already assumed wow. that we're going to chill. <laughs> the guy's <laughs> bored. You know what I mean? They're bored. That's it. You know? So he'll see me like, oh, two hours in advance. He'll start collecting wood, make a fire. By the time I get there, oh, let's how you just? You know? Wow. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then... That's so wholesome. Too, it's really like. great, man. And I met some like cool, like really interesting people that are that. They're, they're the real deal. Mm. The real McCoy. They're fucking Bedouins out there doing that thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, he'll have a little bread. He'll open his little albit hummus, <laughs> you know? And I'll offer something. I'll have whatever. Da- I used to love having dates with me. Dates were my oh, like... Dates is a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bag of dates, like, it's really a <laughs> energy source and compact. So, yeah, we, you know, we'll eat some hummus with bread, drink like five cups of tea, over-sugared, good old yeah. tea, you know? And, you know, be on my way. The cool thing about it from a sugar or or from an eating point of view, on that trail, man, you eat anything and everything. You don't think because yeah, yeah, you're burning every day. Of mm. course. You know when you're like running or you're on a hike and you're going uphill and you get into that zone where your heart's beeping, you know, like pumping really hard and you're like, you know, you break a big sweat like your shirt is soaked. I go through that three times a day. Like I do three point being is you burn a lot of calories and mm. you're really at it so i lost seven kg during that uh, hike i remember my belt around my waist having to make you know tighter and tighter and I, in my mind i'm like oh the leather on my belt must be getting expanding. loose <laughs> expanding yeah. until i got home and i got on the scale i'm like damn like it's incredible at the beginning, I wasn't able to manage my food very well. Like, I just didn't know I was eating too many chocolate bars or whatever it may be. <laughs> but you get to a point where you become a machine. You, like, know my body needs Anything now. Anything I give it. Yeah. You know? And so, you, like, I just got a lot better with managing my food and my rhythm and it's my like time. It's like basic human needs. You know? Like, yeah, really good. Like, my morning was tight. Like, in the beginning, I would get up and go. Mm. Towards the end, halfway and beyond, it's like, no, I get up, I have to eat a lot and then go and then sit and eat a lot. And by a lot, I mean like a lot of bread, a lot of whatever. Uh, and once you get into that rhythm and you get into that super mode where you're just crushing it, you're crushing kilometers, man. I became s- fast. I remember I was looking over my journals because I knew we were going to talk about this and, r- you know, just writing about how I used to get crushed with like 25 kilometers in one day you know a hike and you know man that's more than a half marathon it's not only that it's like you know loose rocks you're being chased by dogs (laughs) (laughs) you're carrying 17 kg on your back yeah it's a full-on thing and then towards the end i was like zipping man like zipping it's incredible you know you notice how, how 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 much better you get at it my my most difficult day the Jordan Trail is divided into eight sections. Each section is about four to six days of hikes. Each hike can vary anywhere from the shortest day, which is like 15 kilometers, to the longest day, which is like 26 kilometers. Anything above 22, you're in it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be a long, long day. Every day, you have to earn it. There are no easy days. You go through one of the wadis called Wadi Mujib, which is the Grand Canyon of Jordan, full of wuhush. <laughs> that one. This wadi area is incredible. And then from, yeah, from Karak, you continue on to Vana. 
and Vana is a nature reserve in Jordan, the biggest one. And then from Vana to Petra, Petra to Wadi Rum, Wadi Rum to Agabi. So when you go like, you know, each day is 16 to 25 km or whatever, so what's to stop you from being like, well, I only did 11 k today, I'm just going to put a tent here? Well, honestly, I had you coming to visit ah. at the end of March ah. with Susie because you just got married. Uh, and I that was like a deadline for me. And I wanted to finish before Ramadan also. Okay. So I was yeah. pressed for time. But you could technically do that if you Technically, really you can walk for the rest of your life. Technically, yeah. there are no rules, right? Because you're not doing anything. You're just walking. Yeah. But there yeah. is a pace, you know, g- you know, a rough general guideline of how you can do it. But the reason I mentioned this is towards the end, I started doing like a day and a half in a day. Mm. I started getting better. Yeah. And then you start knowing that there's a village and after being in a trek for six days you really want to get to internet Mm. and water and maybe just maybe a shower potentially you know that's exciting enough where you start crushing it pushes you you pushes you yeah 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 i remember going i think the hardest the hardest section is the wadis but that was just so exciting and out there that i i loved it so yeah, Petra to Wadi Rum is, I think, supposed to take five days. And uh, I'm definitely doing more than a day's hike every day. Mm. And I knew mm. that on day four that I could finish a day early if I pushed it. Uh, there's a Wadi called Wadi Lahmera. Point is, it's rising territory. You're just going up and up through canyons. Very similar to Petra, by the way, where you have the sig, the walls around you. Mm. And pushing it i kept pushing it that day i did 38 kilometers which was my my biggest day a lot of boulders a lot of rocks but i really i knew exactly what it's going to take to finish that day and i knew it's going to take going and i knew it's i'm going to arrive at getting dark so doing it and understanding it in my mind is one thing but the execution as it starts getting dark and you're like oh man i still have another hour it gets scary, you know? You're like, oh, I should just call it and pitch my tent. But I knew that I'm about to enter a village called Abbasiyah, population 30. Maybe there's a Dukane. And the fact that there's a Dukane with like expired old crappy chips in it or whatever, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. That's like how, how it is. You like go to these Dekakin where your grandma used to shop in. Mm-hmm. That's your vibe in, during this trek. And Abbasiyah, there's a new Abbasiyah, which is on Ahawiyah, but this is old Abbasiyah. For anybody oh, who of really course, old Abbasiyah, of course. Thank you for no. clarifying. So, <laughs> and I'm talking a really isolated section of the Jordan Trail, probably the most isolated section. I've never pushed myself that hard, and I climbed Kili and stuff, but this was like, I really pushed my body, where like I started shaking at the end. I got out of the canyons, and, you know, as per my calculation, it's starting to get dark, and I'm on the street, and... It's like a desert type road. And I'm like, my body's about to collapse, man. Like I had to lie down on the ground. I'm just like unable to do any, any more movement. Oh my God. Like it's fucking crazy that you can, as a human, push yourself like that. Mm. Wait, that happens to people that run marathons, right? They start shaking and like. It's crazy. I like, I felt cold in the inside and I had to like lie down. And then I saw a Bedouin tent that was like a further 15 minute walk. And I'm like, that's where I'm crashing tonight. So I walked there with all my might. And as I approached it, obviously, with dogs, and I'm like, I'm too weak to protect myself, you know? <laughs> no, luckily, like, an old man came out, 
لابس الشماغ with his kids and he's like you know اهلا وسهلا السلام عليكم اتفضل اتفضل and I'm like this time I'm not gonna say سيد من فضلك I'm gonna اتفضل I'm going right in you know so I went and السلام عليكم and dude this guy my grandfather's father was hanging out like this dude it's a tent in the middle of nowhere and he had a fire inside the tent in the middle Beit Sha'ar the old school ones So he took me to the men's section, the boys' section. So it's not like a North Face tent. <laughs> yeah, not a North Face. <laughs> you know it's where like I made like of like his his like wool and stuff like that. Yeah, I made out of wool and the old school mattresses, man. If you can yeah. remember, like you know, yeah. grandparents' days. Like ash. ash so yeah, like I sat down. I like as soon as I sat, they got me halib. That's what all the Bedouins do. They get you fresh milk mm-hmm. that they milked. And they always tell you, by the way, especially when the kids bring it to my North Face tent, <laughs> as I'm camping near them, they'd be like, boil it, boil it. Mm. So you don't get a fever. Mm. But immediately, you know, they got me boiled milk. I drank it. I sat next to the fire. And oh, that must be so good. And I'm like, fire, people, hot milk. This is amazing, you know. Mm. And this dude was so stoked to see me. He was the only one there. He didn't have like other men, but he has his elder sons. Who are like men in, in their own right. But, you know, yeah, you know, so I sat and I'm like, man, this is amazing. And I ended up spending the night there. They didn't have to insist very hard. <laughs> not like I'm going anywhere. Mm. And they didn't have a shower or anything like that. But they had like an outhouse situation. I ate mensaf that night. No way. Judge Mensef, basmati on basmati rice. Uh, and it was the fucking most, alhamdulillah, the most delicious thing I've eaten in my <laughs> life. <laughs> you know how you're supposed to be a little bit like guesty like when you eat? Yeah. I was like a fajan. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, rem- there was, I remember clearly being like, alhamdulillah, I was raised somewhat Bedouin-ish. From my dad, like eating with my hands, uh, knowing a few of the ibarat, the sentences, what to say, the mannerisms. Like if I was some like clown medini, it would have been tough. But I remember like sitting around the mensaf with his sons. <laughs> clown. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know what? I mean? In that situation, man, in that situation, you really yeah. need to bring on the better wing game. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like, you know, the seating with the one knee up, mm. huddled together, you eat quickly. The you know the 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 <laughs> etiquette yeah, of yeah. that setup is like so defined. Even though it's a fajam, you know, mm. uh, it was sweet. And then uh, the 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 saniye they brought it, they put it on the floor and mattresses. Oh, on the around. floor, yeah, yeah, on the ground. Yo, how did they introduce that? There's a men's stuff like sure. how that happen? He happened? told you, Muhammad, go, judge, you know, or whatever. They're like immediately they got it done. Like they cooked they it cooked that night, it? or it was already planned. It was already on the menu. They. Definitely made it in my honor. Okay. They, yeah. like, they killed the chicken for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we ate mensaf a couple of hours after my arrival. Yeah. I was so hungry and tired. I swear to you, it was the best tasting thing. But I'm sure if it was presented today next to other mensafs. It's yeah. chicken. Come on. It's, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, chicken and, <laughs> you know, and, and even in my hunger, I noticed the jameed wasn't quite. Asshole, <laughs> 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 man. But no, man, it was so good. And I remember it. Because, you know, I'm now well into 
into my truck. I'm almost towards the end. I'm like section, just finished section six out of eight. And my body's metabolism and the way I'm eating, like I could tell this is hot fuel. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My point is, sat next to uh, like was, was there a snowball and stuff on it no fuck that shit the snowball <laughs> no, 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 no. is there bad donuts nothing nothing no no none of that just lahme rice and, and I remember the rice Jaj. being basmati yeah, I mean, I mean. being like oh that's different oh like you can't roll it in your hand no you know it was very basmati you can't roll it in your hand judge not that much judge oh not only that I already knew the sitter is going to the women's tent next uh, you can't be yeah, yeah. you know like it's one sitter one uh. thing so like even with my fajane like there's a lot of consideration that's what i'm saying like a clown medini would be like oh i guess I'll yeah, I'd be like uh, can i get an extra slice uh, uh. breast i just i only eat breasts <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i guess so, i guess slapped uh, getting slapped as a child must have taught you that one yeah, yeah, don't for ask sure. for yeah, an yeah. extra piece I, I remember being a kid and asking for an extra piece of chicken at a relative's house and I was sitting on the sitter with my cousins and my dad was sitting on the sitter with his and my dad turned around and slapped me so hard <laughs> I flew across the room. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that shit. What? In front of everyone. In front of the whole everyone. I'm like, Mama, well, and my dad turns around and smacks. And I remember that. <laughs> That's what I mean by the proper Bedouin raising. Yeah, as in like when he was in the Bedouin camp He definitely had some traumatic definitely flashbacks. T- definitely <laughs> flashed back to the old, <laughs> like, if I ask Omar, they'll slap me. <laughs> <laughs> He knew to consider others. So, uh, <laughs> that happened. We went back to sit around the fire, because still winter and cold. And this guy stayed up with me for hours. He took out an old box, which looked like a, a car battery initially. I'm like, why did he bring it? And he opened it with a lid. And it had all of his memories from his life. And he showed me pictures how he worked with a Chinese company in the 70s when they built the road. He told me about when the Palestinians came from across the border. He, like, he just, this guy was like talking to a 90-year-old Bedouin in the desert. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. You're going to make this shit up. It was so cool. And he was just so stoked to have me. Because mm. usually he'll see like Ajnabi once, you know, once every few months walk by or whatever. But I was like, You know, for all he, yeah. he knew, I was like a proper Jordanian. So we're like, you know, Ibn Bella, then we just chatted. And our last name is Abu Zayed or Zawaide. And in the south of Jordan, there's a big tribe called Zawaide. We're not related to them. Mm-hmm. However, maybe somebody omitted that I'm not related to those Zawaide. <laughs> so he, he mm-hmm. and me being Bedouin, he already felt comfortable with me. So we just sat and chatted and he like filled me in on his entire life. And it was one of those uh, very memorable uh, nights that I'll, uh, I hold dear. I'll never forget you, Abu mm. Sabah. If only you had Abu like Sabah. a podcast set up, you know? <laughs> Bedouins, the original storytellers. Uh, what's a tent like? <laughs> like you got your Shut own up. room? No, 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 no. What do you mean a room? Mojo, come on, man. Uh, you know how it is. Man, I'm, tr- I'm asking for the audience. Come oh, on. yeah, because oh, you okay. already know you had a proper yeah, Bedouin yeah, upbringing. Yeah. But like, is there like a mattress that you slept next to him on? Me and all of his kids, male, maybe there were six of us, slept next to each other. Mm. On yeah. mattresses, like Al-Ard. Mattresses, Al-Ard. The tent was made with... Uh, Bechar. Bechar. Wool. Wool. Yeah. And because it's winter, they even covered the sides when they put the fire off. And, but didn't you smell like shit? Didn't you stick up the whole room? Dude, it's outdoor. Nobody showered in that situation in a long ass time. Without a doubt, I stank. 
for yeah. sure. Yeah. But everybody stank. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's the mattress on the ground with the half ihram, the thick, thick yeah. one. Yeah. They put, you know, the one that Ooh, suffocates you. Yeah. That keeps you warm. Dude, I slept so well, man. After that mensaf and that tea and that chat, after being alone for, you know, that long, it was amazing, man. I got up, of course, as soon as I got up, Jibu Leban, you know, that hot milk is there. And then I took off. Whoa, another meal? Calm down. Yeah, I mean, it was tahmis. It was very, you uh, know, like... Calm down. Khobez, well, just, uh, a, just a little dip. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, they gave me like a plate of butter. Oh. You know, just for the, the butter bread. with the bread. And then I took off. So that was a really did you great in, encounter. Did you get, get his number or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got his number and I told him that he Duf- would Duf- see me again with tourists. Dufto al-fes. He doesn't have face. Okay. Oh, well, he's a real bad one. Yeah. Um, did he's you, old man. Did you offer him anything back? I did. I offered him uh, some money, mm. which he really refused. But uh, Ooh, How do you even offer him money? That's kind of... I gave it to one of his kids. Uh, uh, oh, but the kid probably like... Yeah. But the kid refused? The old man refused. Oh, okay. Because okay. he's a real bad one. But yeah. I gave it to one of the kids as I was leaving, like gotcha. secretly being like her. Yeah. So I'll tell you another story where... Uh, this was in the north of the country. The first eight nights, like I said, Jordan is heavily populated in the north. Mm. So you really are walking through many villages. Beit, Edith, Rason, Kherbet, Sug. So many names. And they're so beautiful, guys. I got to tell you. It's green. It's terraced. Like, it's mountains. It's such a beautiful part of the world. And in the Jordan Trail, those first eight days of hiking, you actually can stay in guest houses it's basically local people that have opened their house and will rent you a room mm. only in the first eight days because once you pass a house then you're in the wilderness there it's you camp mm. so the first eight nights which was great because it was the coldest kind of technically as in earlier in the winter i took advantage of that where i stayed with local people along the way and i went to this place called Herbetsu, and it was really really cold Cold that you could see your breath. Mm. And this must have been like six days into it. So now I have the experience of what to expect in these... Guest houses. Guest house. It's not a guy running a hotel. It's a guy who'll give you a room in his house. Mm. Who is a farmer. Who's Like one guy was a taxi driver. You know what I mean? Just local people that are signed up with the association. Only in that first section. So I stayed with this one guy. And from my experience... Because it's winter, obviously they feed you. Whatever they're cooking, they'll give you. <clears throat> and they'll give you a soba. Nice. A space heater. Nice. Soba. Soba, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually. Of course, of course, yeah. Usually they just give you the soba. I forgot. Along with a plate of food next to your bed because it's freezing. And in Jordan, it's normal to have a soba. For, those, for those who don't know what soba is, can we explain it? It's a space heater. It's like a little heater of gas uh, uh, operated, has a little fire. Yeah, on gas top. or electric. Uh, um, and yeah. um, you're paying them. So, like, you're this is part them, of yeah, the package. Yeah, like, right now, this isn't the Bedouin dude in the desert. This is like part of, you know, these people. It's not like a guest house. Like, how much are you paying? You 20 JD. Okay. So, we're looking at about. Uh, That's quite a bit of money. 30 some dollars USD. Yeah. It's quite so, a bit l- of but, like, the plate of food and the heater that they're giving you, this is like a courtesy. It's not part of the package. It is because. It's so rural, there aren't restaurants or anything. Uh, so they assume you're hungry. Usually, yeah, they usually talk about home, Yani. You don't actually, you don't sit with him and his wife. What they do is like they send you a plate to your room. Yeah. 
So when I got to this one, the guy asked me, oh, طيب, إحنا العشاء السبعة, كذا من كذا. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool. I went to take a shower. Uh, and he was telling me, oh, the bathroom doesn't work because the pipes froze and burst. And I'm like, yo, no problem. All is good. Like a bucket shower it is. He's like, yeah, I'll bring you some warm water in a bucket. And then, um, and so I took a shower. I got dressed. I can see my breath. It's freezing cold. And I'm like, oh, do you guys have a soba? Hmm. Apparently, they don't have a soba. Oh, man. Apparently, I was mkalleh. <laughs> you know, asking for a luxury item from these very poor people that don't even have running water because their pipes burst. And then there is Princess <laughs> Me. Excuse me, where's the heater? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and it was just such an awkward, like, and he was a farmer. He was a farmer. And he just looked at me like, oh, soba, yani, And I didn't see him for the rest of the night or the next day when I left. Oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah, like they dropped the food and that was that. And I remember I had to like tuck my money in the door as I left. It was like a very awkward. And I felt so shameful. I felt like such a dumbass. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I feel, I feel. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. that's something that would happen in the beginning of the learning. Of yeah, the, yeah. By so the end of it, honestly, you were kicking it with the Bedouins. Yeah, like. Honestly, I only asked for it because it was offered in the previous nights. And it was wintertime, Jordan. And these people signed up for the facility. That's crazy. But I still expectation. F- yeah, I, I feel I'm filled with shame. Oh, man, did you think you filled him with shame? Well, that's it. It's just awkward, man. You know how our well, culture be. I think that is the shame, is that you shame made him. him feel shame, ashamed not to have it and not to be able to give Honestly, I... I it's, a th- it's a thin line, though, you know? like it's a I blame Baba. <laughs> for, <laughs> for slapping me for when I asked for... For not taking me there <laughs> and making a similar situation where I asked for a soba and then being slapped. <laughs> <laughs> I was never slapped for this request. Exactly. <laughs> like with the chicken thing, I was excellent. <laughs> uh, towards the end, guys, the cool thing about this trail, it ends at the Red Sea. So they're, they're like the land ends and then it's, you know, where Moses got lost. It's like the Red Sea and it's in front of you. Mm. And at one point, you're high enough that you see the water. And you see the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt behind oh, it. Oh man, that must be so exciting! So fucking, it's so exciting, man. Even thinking about it makes me happy. I got, I remember, I got to Betra thirty days, and I got, and I saw the water at like day thirty-nine or thirty-eight. You know, <clears throat> and I was just so excited. I'm like, oh, nearly there, baby. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it was so good. The last few days setting up my tent, uh, I, you know, you start reflecting, and you're like, oh man. Like, this is my entire world. It's about to end. I'm about to re-enter society. The last town you pass through is called Titin. And in Titin, they have a shop where you have to, like, knock on somebody's house. So they open the door and they find the shopkeeper. And then they open the, the one shop with, like, three items in it. You fill up on water. Mm-hmm. And then it's to Agabe. Nice. And what was awaiting you in Agabe? When I, uh, when I reached the halfway point in Karak... Mm-hmm. I came out of the Wadi, Wadi Mujib, which is the toughest Wadi, and then it was the fertile land of Karak. I called my dad because there was a reception. And I told my dad that I was in Karak, halfway point. And he called one of his media friends because he wanted to let them know what I'm up to. And that led to me meeting the governor of Karak. Whoa! Yeah. 
On arrival? Not on arrival. I stayed in Karak for two nights, mm. knowing that this was going to happen. Because I told my dad, he called his friend, a few calls happened, and tomorrow, Fajr, you're going to go meet you know, the honorable, you know. Governor of? Yeah, the governor of Karak in his like, government place. You know, it's a big deal and a big honor. What did your dad say to them? Well, no, he called his journalist friend, an Amman, who has a journalist friend in Karak. Mm. And then it became a thing. The journalist picked me up, I zoom, you know. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm not dressed. Like, I have one pair of pants and it's got a hole in the crotch. Like, <laughs> I, and he's like, ah, yeah, because it's natural. <laughs> like, okay. So I got up in the morning and I went and I sewed my pants. <laughs> and I bought a shirt and I put like the Jordan flag on it. Nice, yeah. And I went to meet the governor. And it was like a real hall with different tribes that were arguing over somebody who was being killed. Because he's like the king's representative in Karak. He solves all the tribal things. Uh. So I went to his like courthouse or his like, which is like a jalsa. It's a big living room. It's like a big majlis. Big majlis with like fancy couches and like tribal readers. You could... You can tell that matters of consequence are being discussed. And the Muhafaz, in Arabic, Muhafaz, he's actually not from Karak. Oh. The wisdom of the king of Jordan and the democracy they have there. They bring somebody who's not from those tribes to represent the king. Conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. So he was actually from, wow. from uh, Umm al-Amad, near Madaba. Bani Sakhar is the tribe. So they got somebody from Bani Sakhar to take care of the Karakis. They take the Karakis. That's how it works. Okay. And it was like one issue after the other. And uh, then it came my turn. And I was like the star, the one who had no shame. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't get in a car accident, you know. Yeah. And, you know, he gave me a very nice welcome. And we chatted for a bit. Got some pictures, which leaked into a Destour, which is a big newspaper in Jordan. Oh. It didn't leak. It got picked up rather. <laughs> That's a better. Yeah. Leak. So this is a leak. People knew what he was up to. Snowden, man. It got picked up at El Destour, and and by the time I get disconnected, by the time I get a reception, like four days later, like my phone's popping. My somebody's friend, somebody who's like lined up an interview with this uh, TV station. So now, my solo trek to like cleanse my mind from. The depression has turned into a bit of a circus, but it's not really a circus yet. It's, it is what it is. It's a meteor circus. I knew that I had to get to Betra at a certain time and stay an extra night to have a live interview on TV in the morning, which I did. Wow, that's cool. Okay, cool. By the time I get to the next point where I have internet, my dad's involved. <laughs> and he's going to meet me in Agabe. On your arrival of the last day. Mm. Yeah. Not only that, there's a whole welcoming committee there. The Minister of Tourism of Agabe is there. The head of security and military of Agabe, Southern Jordan, is there, along with a host of other wow. decorated <laughs> individuals. Like domino effect, yeah. It's like just yeah. getting more and more. So it like turned into like a whole thing and a half. Uh, and it, it, it built organically. With the Karak thing, like and momentum. then the TV appearance a week later. And then by the time I got to Agabe, it was a circus. It really was. To the point where upon arrival, I had a line of officials. Some in military fatigue, some in suits. <laughs> like no less than like eight men 
camera from Roya TV, which is the biggest TV mm -hmm. channel in Jordan. Like a whole thing. And I like walk in and I shook all their hands and <laughs> we sit down. How, how did you even know where to go to find them? Oh, I guess when you get to the town, you have internet. Oh, I had internet. As soon as I had internet, and I remember I had internet in the morning of the morning of, I was being directed at this point. It wasn't even my trail anymore. <laughs> and I remember the guy, who I don't even know, Abu something, Fajr. يعني بدنا إياك توصل بعد الساعة تنتين فهل عشرة كيلو مز عليهم مز you know I remember a guy telling me to like take it easy slow down مز عليهم مز مز على هلا كم من كيلو مز عشان توصل بعد الساعة تنتين عشان نرتب لك هذا بفندق and I'm like oh dude like I mean it's cool but at the same time it like wasn't the humble start that I had of taking buses up and leaving without you know Whatever. Uh, so I got there. But, but it seems like your dad was really proud of you, though. For, yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, involved for sure. In Without a doubt, dude. Yeah. He, like, brought my mom and my wife and my kids. And it yeah. was like Hollywood, dude. It was like I got there, shook all the hands, and then the kids ran, Baba! <laughs> dude, and it's, Wait, do you have a video of this? Dude, they did, like, the news media did a... Uh, a montage, a montage, like a, a three-minute report. Oh. With, For all with our listeners out there, we're gonna try and get this video and put it on I our Instagram. Right <laughs> yeah. Instagram. Check us out on Instagram if you want to see a video. Tab, uh, no, the, playing the video your, right now. Your your moment. <laughs> it's leaking. <laughs> your moment when you finally walked around whatever <laughs> corner it was in Aabe. and you saw the crew and everyone waiting for you, and you were supposed to do the big. Ah, uh, Baba, and uh, you know your kids running up to you. Was there any like bloopers where they go, "Oh, we're gonna have to do that again"? You know, like we need your son to show more love. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything like that? Or it was all natural. It was all natural. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. you know, Jordanian TV, everything is authentic. Uh, yeah, I, I remember, uh, dude. That's funny. You mentioned that because honestly, on that day, I had reception, and I was listening to Hamburger Generation <laughs> because I was, I'm the Miss Miss. <laughs> and it was the episode of the VJ hunt yeah. of how they're like, the winner is Mo, or not that guy. Yeah. And they're like, oh, sorry, guys, we didn't record that. We have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised. True. That was really funny. That oh, this is like uh, Joe, full this is, circle. I, I huh? just want to play this like few, 20 seconds. Okay. This is the video. Audio the audio of the video that they put on Facebook for Roya News and on their channel. How, many, how, many, how many likes? In, uh, it's views? got 240,000 views, which yeah. is a lot for a country of... But th this will give you the vibe the production team went with. Stick it in front of the uh, mic. Uplifting. ضرب الأردن مسار بربط المملكة شمالا من أمجيس جنوبا للعجبة. So it's like got such a wholesome experience. It's got a happy go lucky, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Or as in reality, Fajr's like, <laughs> what was it? Luit, Luit, Luit. So yeah, this thing, this thing kind of, I, I don't know if went viral is the word, but I mean, quarter million views. That's pretty viral in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in Jordan, a country of just uh, you know a few million. So yeah, for 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 a few weeks, I, I had my fifteen minutes of fame, but the Jordanian mentality doesn't appreciate, or it's not part of our culture to like undertake a big hike or the initiative. The officials were impressed by the initiative. 
Beautiful. But all I want to get to is the comments on the Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the comments on the media. This sounds funny. Because, yeah. you know, a quarter million views, a thousand comments. Bound to get some funny ones. Dude, I got burned. <laughs> like left, right, yeah. and center. Like 95% of the comments were like, hey, follow the Ashkal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, open up the comments yeah, right the now. The comments are like, we really know how to uplift yeah. our people, huh? Yeah, dude, dude, the it's comments like, are just like... So funny. <laughs> so you just got roasted, yeah. roasted. I got oh, roasted, roasted nationally for like a couple of weeks. I understand the word, 45 days in a hotel. The shit is It's true, I had butt rash for sure throughout the whole thing. Gillet sayarat. <laughs> like we don't have cars. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime after Fajr did this thing and we were sitting around with my family and we were all talking about how funny it is that all the comments are all so negative from the Jordanians. And we're all reading them out loud, finding it really funny, just as we're doing it right now. Yeah. And Fajr gets to one comment, and she goes, no, no, it was, Fajr wasn't there. I was with the Yasar, my other brother. Yeah. And he's reading it in front of my mom, my, my dad, and me. And he goes like, and he's laughing, and he's like uh, reading a comment that says, Shu shiklo hada fadi ishgal. And my mom's like, <laughs> the thing is they were right like each and every comment and it's like it's true. true if you strip it of the circle it's true yeah, yeah, yeah. i was for the i had a butt rash uh, there are cars <laughs> there are you know what i mean yeah. there so that's yeah that was like kind of a side uh a side uh joke that happened from that that's so funny muhammad al-fayyum says mshit akhtar minnak it's competition. So you got loved by the media, but not so much by the Jordanian population. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got like trolled so hard, and they love trolling. Well, at least the maybe the type of Jordanian people that have internet. But it seems like the type of Jordanians that don't have internet, they're loving them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the people outside the cities, you know, the down to earth people, they got it. It's the city haters. You know how city haters be. Oh, man, I'm <laughs> city haters, man. And so, yeah, so what happened is the video came out, and it's actually a pretty neat video. It's too happy and too corny for the Jordanian population. Mm. And truth be told, I did speak a little bit too much Medini, like, I should have been like, you know, I should have spoken with a bit of a, to appear more manly. Point is, rightfully so, they made fun. My brother, though, bless his heart, he, he didn't like seeing the hilarious comments. So he was like replying and defending. Okay. And by chance, the king of Jordan and his son well, go on the Jordan Trail one week after I do the Jordan Trail. They do like a one-day hike. And the media, obviously, is all over that. Wali hmm. yeah. al Umgeos are doing like a section of the Jordan Trail promoting it internationally. So I remember my brother like taking that and putting it in the argument. Right. Like, here's the king doing it. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. What are you going to say now? <laughs> you know? 
And like with the Jordanian mentality of like double think, they're like, oh, conflict. <laughs> Our leader is doing it. <laughs> Yet, there's some sun not guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, it was a really great way to spend part of February and March. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, yeah. is our leader Msammat? <laughs> According to your theory? <laughs> Who's the Msammat now? I cornered you, bitch! Yeah. <laughs> Who's got nothing to do now, bitches? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I guess you kind of like took uh, having absolutely nothing to do and turned it into like this great life-altering experience. I don't know, life-altering experience. I mean, like, uh, well, yeah, as you were saying story. it, yeah. dude, as you were saying it, I was thinking to myself, God, I wonder how I would come out of this trip on the other side. That's yeah. true. I mean, I mean, it was definitely, I've done a lot of different types of trips, but a solo, self-supported, um, grand adventure like that is something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And I really know the country of Jordan intimately. Like, jokes aside, it was a great uh, accomplishment as a person and a great way to fill my time as I had nothing to do. And to get to know Jordan, like, you're no longer like this uh, expat loser kid. Yes, you know? <laughs> were you one of the ones commenting? <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. So I've always felt a knockus, you know? Mm. I had a confidence issue with Jordan because you know we're born abroad and our Arabic is so so sukkar khafif as they say so no matter what I did in my you know my parents eyes I don't know Jordan totally. or or yeah, yeah. other members of our family that are more Jordanian you know mm. like it's like oh, what is it? but now like you know outside of the Amman cool scene I know that country probably more than most Jordanians yeah, like yeah. really intimately, not only geography but towns and the people and what what a, what an experience, you know? What a, what an adventure! What an adventure! Could this ever be a trip for uh, escape travels? We actually do have a trip for escape travels in October, where we're gonna do, in my opinion, and in the opinion of National Geographic, they rated it one of the top fifteen hikes in the world. Uh, it's the Vana to Petra. So it goes from the Dvana biosphere and it finishes in Petra. It takes four days. It's about 80 kilometers. Mm. Highly rated hike. Not many people go there. It's the Inca Trail of the Arab world. And I'm doing that in mid-October. And I have a few people signed up, so I'm excited. If you guys are interested, check out escape-travels.com. Hopefully this episode comes out before the trip. Oh, it's so great to know that even the king is following in Fejr's footsteps. As always, thank you for listening and supporting us. Follow us on Instagram, and if you'd like to support us even more, check out the Patreon link in this episode's description. Thanks, and have a great day! (laughs) 